The Baltimore Ravens have their final preseason game of 2023 coming up, and we talk about a final positional battle review and so much more coming up next year on Locked on Ravens. You are Locked on Ravens, your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome in here to another edition of Locked On Ravens, where your daily Baltimore Ravens podcast. And I'm your host, Kevin Ostriker of Ravens Wire here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for being here and always making Locked On Ravens your first listen. Each and every day, we're free and available, all podcasting platforms, including in video form on YouTube. Today's episode of Locked On Ravens is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the App Store and sign up with promo code Locked On to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. And we are back. It is the final Purple Friday of the preseason. We have regular season football coming up. It's super exciting, but the final 53 is not finalized yet. And here to talk about a final positional battle push is for Baltimore Ravens wide receiver and Super Bowl champion. It's Kadri Ismael in the house once again. And Q, I'm excited for preseason to end because I think the regular season just has so much more alert to it. But for some of these young guys who are fighting for roster spots, fighting for playing time, this last game, it means everything to him. Yeah, I mean, it sure does. I think, you know, you look at the way you've made your mark in college to whatever the level you played at and got an opportunity to show off for the scouts. Scouts thought you were good enough to get on a roster. Go ahead, get on a roster, and then you get an invite to training camp. Now you're in training camp. Get these preseason games. You're playing with that jersey on of – in this particular case, the Baltimore Ravens, and you're trying to just impress. You're trying to impress not only the Ravens, you're trying to impress other teams. You're trying to put yourself in a position where you can make a 53-man roster. I mean, that's what it's all about, and you're chasing that dream. You're chasing the dream of being one of the elite football players, the less than, less than, less than 1%. Try to make a career out of it before you got to continue on down your your road of adulting in life. And, and it's so interesting because it's not only, as you talked about, just, oh, well, final 53-man spot this year. These guys maybe are playing for practice squad positions, playing for other roster spots on other teams. This is tape that not just the Ravens can use, but every NFL team can use over the course of their entire football career, however long it does last. But there are a couple battles that I think we've gotten a little bit of clarity on cue and then some that I still think need some, some hashing out between some guys. I think, one that I'm really interested in is the fourth running back position, because I know we've talked about it where Justice Hill's firmly on the roster. He's running back three. There's no conversation about his roster spot. They signed him to an extension. And to me, that's what it is. But between Melvin Gordon and Keaton Mitchell, those are the two guys who I think are fighting for that fourth running back spot. Keaton Mitchell's a guy that has shown a lot of bursts in the preseason, getting outside and taking the ball for very long gains, had that touchdown that was called back in week one. But Melvin Gordon's the, the steady veteran, and the Ravens like their steady veterans in a room with J.K. and Gus Edwards and Justice Hill. He will be kind of the mentor in that room. So I think there's a better shot of Melvin Gordon making the practice squad than Keaton Mitchell because I think Keaton Mitchell gets scooped up. But who do you think has the edge right now between those two guys? Honestly, I, I know Melvin Gordon has a lot of experience and feeling really good. But when you got J.K. coming back, I mean, J.K. is experienced enough. What, what veteran understanding are you going to tell me 
I know when you look at the, the bigger picture of the room, like I'd rather go for Keith Mitchell and, and know that, you know, he's a guy that you can develop and put into a situation where he's only going to get better. Uh, you don't know really what's going to happen with JK the next year. So if in fact that something comes about and you got to rely upon a Gus Edwards to be the bell cow, well, you're going to have another guy in Keith Mitchell that's kind of like that yin and yang type of a running back. His style is completely different than Gus the Bus. So I think the bigger picture is like Gus, I mean, Gus has played, you know, what in his six seasons too. So that's a lot. That's a lot to play in the National Football League, especially as a running back. So I'm, if it was a totally young room, sure, you got your veteran, but it's not. And so since it's not, I'm not necessarily all that like, oh, we definitely need to have a veteran. And I like Melvin Gordon. I think he's done a fine job, phenomenal job. Maybe you do put him in a scenario where you're like, hey, we're going to either keep you on a practice squad or you stay ready and we'll see what happens. You know, who knows? I think that might be the case where you roll a dice, but I think it's a good way to roll a dice. And I don't believe the Ravens are going to be coming up snake eyes because like you said, Justice Hill, he's looking really, really good also. And you got to also think this too. Last final point on this special teams. When guys go down, you're going to have a guy that comes in for special teams. And I'm not so sure you're going to have Melvin Gordon being a special teams guy with Keith Mitchell, get your butt in there and go down there and cover that kick. We saw it. We saw Keaton Mitchell play gunner in the game against Washington. We saw him as a kick returner. He actually he got hurt on that kick return, and hopefully it's just a shoulder stinger. So the Ravens got out pretty unscathed there, and so did Keaton Mitchell. But your point there kind of reminds me of Lamar during his younger years where they obviously had Joe Flacco for him and Robert Griffin III for him, and there was kind of a conversation of, all right, when when does Lamar graduate from having the, the backup veteran mentor because he had too much experience to have one. And obviously we've seen Tyler Huntley being Lamar's primary backup over the past couple of seasons. I think you're right that with JK, with Gus, those guys don't need a you know 10 year vet to tell them what to do. They have enough experience on their own. I wouldn't say it would be a bad thing, but that's why I think Gordon on the practice squad, I think gives you the same of what you'd get from him outside of the active roster. And then Keaton Mitchell, you put him on there. He gives you that different skill set, like you talk about. And I, I totally agree with that. But another key battle cue is that six wide receiver spot. We talked about it after the Ravens first preseason game. And we talked about James Perchet in the uh, not so wonderful game he had against the Philadelphia Eagles. And unfortunately he was on the wrong end. Of, I, I feel bad for him. Honestly, Q. it just feels like all these plays that happen, the ball from Josh Johnson in the Washington game, it was underthrown. Yeah. I think we, we can admit that. But the ball goes through Perchet's hands, it looks like, into the arms of the Washington defensive back. Tyler Wallace scores another touchdown. To me, it's just it feels like, as we talk about the special teams experience, if you want to make this roster, part of the way you can do it is through special teams. We know Tyler can do that. It feels like Tyler's all but locked up this job, and James Perchet, Laquan Treadwell, all those other guys are probably on the outside looking in. Absolutely. Um when you get your opportunity, you make the most of it, regardless of what the opportunity is. And unless you have a, a signing bonus that, you know, the organization has to save face and keep you, basically everyone is on the chopping block. And so that bottom half of the roster, James Rocher has been fighting to the nail to stay out of the proverbial doghouse 
And unfortunately, he when it came to the games and his experience and some of the things he should be doing, it didn't didn't happen for him. I mean, those are some big mistakes, you know, a fumble punt. And then, of course, a I think a, 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 a play that he's made before. That's the thing. Like we've seen him make the tough catch. We've seen him, you know, make the acrobatic move and be the hero. And so, yeah, it, two turnovers, you just, that's not winning football. So I don't know like what's going on behind the lines, but I do know this, that um, Tyler Wallace has played extremely well. I know, <laughs> excuse me, special teams is really important when you're that lower level receiver, running back, uh, linebacker, um, that that fifth corner, uh, you know, all those positions. Heck, I mean, you know, the, the offensive lineman, that's a swing, you know, offensive lineman can play tackle, guard, whatever. When he's active, he might very well be in there on special teams. So, again, it, it's, it's the more you can do, you know, you only have so many roster spots, and that's where I think Tyler Wallace, like, he earned – to be in that conversation of who he is. Yep, 100% with you there. And speaking about you don't have enough roster, well, I don't think any team has enough roster spots for guys they want to keep, but you only have so many. And I think that applies to the Ravens' tight end position queue because uh, we saw Mr. Travis Vokalek step up, and he stepped up all training camp. He stepped up, and I know if you're, if you're watching the video for him, you see Q rolling his eyes a little bit, and that's because he was one of the – He, you might be one of the, if not the biggest, Charlie Kohler guy. And, of course, the biggest guy that we've had Charlie Kohler-wise on this show. That's that's Q's guy. Devonta Freeman's my guy. Charlie Kohler is, is Q's guy. Now, Charlie Kohler, Q, led the Ravens in receiving yards. He had two really, really long catches, looked good. But Travis Volkleck had two touchdowns. Now, my prediction is that the Ravens end up keeping three. It's likely Andrews and Kohler, obviously Andrews first. But – my thing was, oh, vocal, like you can put him on the practice squad and kind of sneak him on there. But with this game and with the training camp he's had, he had two touchdowns. Maybe another team tries to swoop him up off of waivers if Baltimore goes that way. So how do you think this tight end position shakes out, particularly with Vokalek? Yeah, with Vokalek, I mean, I, the, all the training camp practices that I attended, he showed up. So they, they ain't no hate coming over from here. Not going to hear that. We ain't getting it twisted. Don't need the tweets and all the other things. Dude can play. Uh, and when you see him up close and personal, you're like, that looks like a tight end. He clearly isn't making any MAs or mental errors. Uh, he's putting himself in position to make you know, catches with the, the, the opportunity that he's getting. Um, is he with the third group? Yep. But is he making the most of it? Yep. Just like I said with Tyler Wallace. For Kolar, he's actually putting himself in position to make plays too. It's interesting because when he's with the second group, there's like a different dynamic, if you will. Like the first couple of portions of the training camp practices, I think it was Todd Munkin trying to establish like his intermediate to short game, his quick game. And so the tight ends had some, some, uh, some love. But Isaiah Likely was out there and he was doing Isaiah Likely type things. And so then you had, you know, obviously, you know, tight end one and Mark Andrews doing tight end things with Mark and obviously Lamar. Uh, 
So it was, it was kind of like, yeah, you can see where, you know, he was kind of getting lost in it all. But Isaiah went down, and that's where I saw a guy really just come up, uh, up and step up. And Charlie, he looked apart. So again, why are we like even having this debate? Just put him on the team. He's he's done. It's over. It's okay. Get your Charlie Kohler jersey, and then everything's gonna be okay. <laughs> I think I wonder how many Charlie Charlie Kohler jerseys we'll see. I know you'll be in yours queue, so that's at least one. But Rocking out the eight eight. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what Vokalek though in that four seven. I don't know. I, I'm intrigued to see what Baltimore does with him because they're in kind of a bind with their corner situation because they can't put Marlon and Pepe Williams on IR right now. That would end their season. They have to keep him on the final fifty three until cutdown day is over. So coming up in the second part of the show, we'll talk about some defensive position battles. Also getting to the left guard competition. Jadavian Clowney, a juicy second segment coming up here on Locked On Ravens. But first, this episode is brought to you by Harry's. And there are plenty of reasons why someone could shave, whether it's for yourself, your partner, your kids. And a great shave can make you feel really good. It can make you feel confident, attractive, clean, young. And no matter why you shave, Harry's has you covered for the best shave of your life at a price you'll love from the legendary high-quality ranges of skin products like exfoliating face wash and hydration lotion. Harry's gives you a premium shave without the premium price tag. Get better quality and a better price than other razors when you get Harry's delivered right to your door. And... The hairy set, it makes your shaving experience better. Take it from me. The razors are super sleek, and the packaging is really great, too. And for me, you know, I, sometimes I have a little facial hair, but for the most part, I, I clean shave. And Harry's, it helped. It helped me get the, the clean shave down. A smooth shave shouldn't be rough on your wallet. The starter set is a $13 value for just $3 at harrys.com slash NFL. It includes a five-blade German-engineered razor, weight handle, foaming shave gel, and a travel cover. Scheduled delivery for refills as low as $2, half of what you pay. For other blades. Harry's makes the skincare products that will give you the best shave ever. Creams, washes, lotions that will keep your skin healthy and hydrated. Blades made in their own factory in Germany that stay sharp. Guys who've tried it say their eighth shave is as sharp as their first. They have sleek, weighted handles that look great in your bathroom and give you precise control with each swipe. There's no reason not to try Harry's. Harry's has the highest customer satisfaction in the shaving industry and they're still offering an O-risk trial. Don't let your shave, no worries. It's on them. Get your best shave ever this summer with Harry's razors and skincare products. Get a $13 starter set for just $3 at harrys.com slash NFL. That's harrys.com slash NFL for the $3 starter set. We're back with our second segment of Lockdown Ravens. Kevin Allstriker still here with Kadri Ismael. And Hugh, let's finish out offensive final positional battles. I think the last one we have to get into is left guard. It's been the only question on the starting offensive line for the Ravens with four or five starters returning. John Simpson seems to have overtaken Sala. It seems like it's been a battle between those two for most of training camp. Simpson has been one of PFF's highest graded linemen throughout the entirety of the preseason. He's shown that he's physical, has a very high, he, he has the smarts. I think he understands the game, understands where he needs to be. I think that Sala's just not totally ready yet. He has the tools, the traits, the athleticism, but coming out of college, the thing was, well, he just needs a year or two. And I think we've seen that over the course of the preseason. I think Simpson is much more ready and that, to me, I think is where Baltimore needs to go, and that's who they need to start in week one based off of what they're going for this season, which is Super Bowl contention. So I, I think, you know, going into camp, um, it's a credit to uh, the offensive linemen and the competitiveness, coaching, um, scheme, that you had such a good competitive kind of feel of, who's who in the zoo. 
And so for John, I, I credit him for, you know, coming out and playing consistent and, and, and being that guy that's in that conversation. For Salah, like the fact that y- y- you see him just like, all right, give me the opportunity and I'll make the most of it. I think that speaks volumes how he leapfrogged some guys that were already there in the Clevelands and the Fa'aleles of the world. Um, this is all, the bottom line is, this is all a really good problem to have. What was the issue before? Depth at the offensive line. One guy goes down, you're kind of like, boy. But now you're like, what in the Kalechi Osimile meets Ben Grubbs is going on here? We got ourselves an opportunity to have some good quality depth. And that's a good thing. It definitely is. And I think it speaks to the Ravens where there will probably be one or two guys. I think they would ideally maybe like to keep nine or 10 offensive linemen. I don't know if they can go that far at cut down day because we're going to talk about it. It's Q's favorite conversation, the cornerback room. We've talked about it probably every week for the last, what, two months or three months. We've been talking about it. And Q thinks we jinxed it because we were talking about it so much. And then Mark. Marlin goes down, but as I was yes. saying, it's it's interesting because yeah, Devontae yeah, Freeman him. Yeah, oh god. <laughs> but you, you can't put Marlon and Pepe on the IR list right now, as I mentioned, because it would end their season. You have to put them on after the fact. So Baltimore has to have those two because ideally you'd put Pepe on because he's not going to come back. What is reported until about October, and then you have an extra roster spot to work with. So you can talk on the defense about, you know, Malik Ham making the roster as an outside linebacker. What, what's what's that position going to look like or the inside linebacker battle? But to me, I think corner is the glaring, I think, conversation to have because there are players like Ardarius Washington, Kevon Seymour, who are vying for roster spots. What's the status of Daryl Worley going to be? Where are they going to play Brandon Stevens? There are a lot of players. And so if, if you're going, Q, with the assumption that they're going to keep Marlon, Rocky Yassin, Ronald Darby, Jalen Armour Davis, Pepe Williams, and Caillou Kelly on their roster, that's already six guys. I assume they're going to keep at least seven. And I'm kind of thinking, well, where are you going to shuffle around the roster? Those six plus Ardarius Washington, who I think has played incredible football over the course of the couple of preseason games and in training camp too. The team really likes Kevon Seymour. That's eight guys. What I could see if there's a max, I think, of eight guys they can keep there. And then I think what will happen in just my prediction, Q, I want to know if you agree, is that they'll do some handshake deal with Daryl Worley. It seems like they really like him. And what would happen is they'll say, hey, you know what? We're going to bring you back, Daryl. Just give us a day to get the whole IR situation situated. And so they put Pepe on IR and they bring back Daryl Worley. What do you think about that? Absolutely. So this is the jockeying for positioning of your roster versus the other teams in the National Football League jockeying for their rosters. Everybody already has their 22 guys. Everybody is like next level. I mean, you'll you'll see some trades. We saw some trades happening earlier in the week with the quarterback play from Arizona to, I think it was Cleveland, was it, I believe? Yeah, Cleveland, but, Cleveland, yeah. Right, okay. So with all that, you got to look at it from the, your defense standpoint that – There's some other teams out there that their defense is going to be in a kind of a tough bind. And what does that look like for them? And can they quote unquote roster raid, as I like to call it, where you just raiding another team's roster? Hey, but um, usually veterans 
and, and again, part of it is if they're on a regular season roster and you're a vested veteran, I mean, your, your contract's guaranteed. So even if you're quote unquote released, you got guaranteed money. But if you're not on a opening week roster, then not guaranteed. And so they can kind of jockey back and forth. So yes, you do have that jockeying for position. And it is interesting to see who's going to be there. And I could see, as to your point, Worley being that guy. And he was that guy for them last year. You remember, Q, where he was getting added of the practice squad, then called up to the active roster, then released, and added of the practice squad. It happened like eight or nine times over the course of the season. And I think it was he was one of the most transactionally – he had the most transactions to his name over the course of the entire season, which was crazy. But it made – and I kind of do this in terms of like percentages of – who could get claimed on waivers? I don't think any team's going to go out there and say, we're going to use our waiver claim on Daryl Worley. Maybe they do. I'd be shocked if it happened, though, and that's where I think the Ravens could bring him back. For Kevon Seymour, I think there's a, a little chance, but not a lot. I think the Ravens like him. Maybe they add him to their roster just to keep him on there 100%, but I wouldn't think there's a massive shot of him getting claimed. Our, our Darius Washington, I think, would probably get claimed on waivers. I think he's showed out. He's a young guy, has that slot corner safety. Q, I think if the season started there, Darius should be their starting slot corner. I could see that. I mean, totally. Like, he's he's earned the right to to be in that conversation. Like, he's confident. He doesn't make many mistakes, you know. And, and again, from a, you know, John Harbaugh and his presser, when they were asking about uh, him, he was saying that, man, I like his athleticism and his ability to, to you know, pinpoint that ball up in the air and, and go up and snatch it. I think those are some great traits you know, that you're looking for, for a guy like, you know, Hey, he has a flair for the dramatic and let, let him, let him cook, let him eat, let him do his thing. So we'll see how it all shakes out, but it looks favorable for Washington. Yeah. I think he will, he will be the seven because a lot of these guys have corner safety versatility, like guys, you know, Washington and Stevens and Worley's playing safety. Now every, everybody has that versatility. And, and I think for the Ravens, they need as many of those guys as they can get, especially with the injuries they've gone through already at corner. But they, they get a couple of guys back in practice, Rock Essay and Arthur Millette both returning. So that was a, a positive sign, but I mentioned Malik Ham earlier Q and I kind of thought maybe this guy could be a dark horse to make the roster until the Ravens signed Jadavia and Clowney. I think Clowney slots into that spot. You have five outside linebackers or pass rushers at that position, and Owe, Ajabo, Clowney. You have Bowser, who's on the NFI list, and that could be key in terms of maybe keeping an extra guy. And then Tavius Robinson. We didn't get the chance to talk about it, though, Q. Clowney signs with Baltimore, a one-year deal, up to $6 million, but $2.5 guaranteed. He's someone that, again, we know the edge-setting ability, the run defense, it's phenomenal. Pass rushing and getting sacks is a little more inconsistent, but I think it was a move Baltimore needed to make, and he was one of the best free agents left on the market, whether you know you think his skill set fits or not. But I do think it fits what they need because it takes pressure off of Adafi Owe, takes pressure off of David Ajabo, and just adds another solid option to that group. So one of the things that I was appreciative of was his interviews that he's had. And so I heard from just multiple sources that he's kind of a tough guy to deal with, you know, and some of the things that he said. But what I appreciated was the way he was talking about the culture and the locker room fit. And it was a good one for him. And he also gave praise to John Harbaugh. So in my mind, the way in which he – you know, presented all that, like, I was like, all right, cool. You know, it seems like 
you know, he's not uh, going to be disgruntled or, you know, a hard guy to deal with. Uh, but in fact, he's like, look, you know, my goal is to play 17 weeks. That That's what I want to do. I want to play 17 weeks. I don't think he's played an entire season in his entire career. Talked about how he played, you know, it was second game or first game or something. Uh, he wound up hurting himself at the Texans and it was just downhill from there. Uh, he has history with his uh, both the uh, coach Smith and um, drawing a blank on his name is D line coach Anthony Weaver. Thank you, Anthony Weaver. He has history with them. Obviously, Weave was down there in in Houston with them. So there's there's a good you know flow that I think is going to be helpful for him to to be able to be successful. And and again, I think if he can in fact play 17 games. Yeah, let, let him be a disruptor. Let him be a guy that can go out there. It seems like he's really motivated to uh, to kind of re-energize and, and recharge his career. It feels like Baltimore's had success with some of those guys, Q, that are – I don't even know how to label it. Have the, I guess, tough to deal with, as you said, the, those tough to deal with characteristics. We heard that a lot about Marcus Peters and how, you know, he was tough to deal with in Kansas City. Now the, his teammates in L.A. loved him on the Rams, but – a, you, a guy like Steve Smith, he had those you know, the tough characteristics. And, you know, the Ravens seem to be a place where guys just come in and they fit in and they they want to be a part of the organization. So I think it, I think it'll work out. There are the concerns about the leadership, about the injuries, as you talked about. He's only played a full 17 or a full season, I, th- I think, once. And it was maybe six years ago, seven years ago. So he, he hasn't had a ton of health success. And then also the sack numbers, he's had nine and a half sacks, nine sacks, nine sacks, but it's never had a 10 sack season and it's had seasons of no sacks, two sacks, four and a half. So there is consistency, but the one area I think he will bring that is in the run game. I think it's going to be tough for the Ravens to, to have a bad run defense this year. I think they're going to have a good one. It's going to be hard for them to, I think, fall off from where they were. Obviously you lose Clayus Campbell. That's a pretty big blow. I'm not going to sugarcoat that but I think Clowney can come in and, and be physical. Now he did look leaner in the pictures than I think we saw him. Over yeah, the he did. It's, yeah, it seemed like he uh, lost some weight and it, it got a little, lost a little bit of it, but hopefully the physicality will, uh, will translate over to uh, the season this year for the Ravens. But coming up in the final part of the show, we'll talk about preseason thoughts. We'll get Q's thoughts on the Washington Super Bowl preseason game that had plenty of intensity. The streak is over. We'll also talk about their upcoming matchup with Tampa Bay a little bit. So be sure to stay tuned. Lots of that been to on the show. But first, this episode is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. And August is here, and you know what that means. The official starter fantasy football drafting month. Get championship ready for your home league by trying out best ball in Underdog Fantasy. All you do is one live snake draft. No waivers, no trades. Underdog sets your best lineup every week. Try it out with Underdog Best Ball Mania Tournament, largest fantasy football contest of all time is back and even bigger with $50 million of total prizes up for grabs, including an absurd $3 million going to the winner. Last year, the winner drafted their team in July, so don't wait around. Visit underdogfantasy.com or find them in the app store and sign up with promo code locked on to get your first deposit doubled up to $100. That's underdog fantasy promo code locked on. We're back rounding out locked on Ravens. Kevin Oshak is still here with Kadri Ismail and you know, this is our first show where the Ravens have not had a preseason winning streak together. They've had that streak since 2015. It ends on Monday night. Uh, uh, what do you want to call it? A devastating horror. No, it did not matter. They lost the game. The streak is over. The commanders, though, they had a lot of, I'll call it intensity for that game. And I'll th- there are a couple of ways I want to frame this cue because I think there have been a couple of ways it has been framed that are unfair. 
I think the commanders put a lot of energy into that game. I think they wanted to win it. I think they put a lot of effort into it. Yeah, just a little bit because they played their their offensive starters in the halftime. They played with an intensity. They celebrated. But the thing with the celebration is that for these young guys who are out there, it means a lot to them. Like, I'm not going to try to take that away and say, oh, these guys shouldn't celebrate. Now, it was a little crazy out there. I'm not going to lie. But this could be some of those guys' last games. You know, it could be one of the last moments they have in their NFL career. Now, the way the commanders approach the game, the way that guys like Sam Cosme were talking about it, Jahan Dotson after the game, those are guys who are going to play with the commanders for a while. So it's, it's not like that was their last game. We saw the fight between Nick Gates on that cheap shot through our Darius Washington, Sam Cosme doing the little gritty dance in the end zone. Seemed like the, the commanders had some juice there and really wanted to win this game to end the streak. And it is just a preseason game. But with the celebration aspect, I do want to acknowledge that for some of those young guys who are fighting for roster spots and especially maybe undrafted rookies, guys getting the first taste of NFL action, I'm sure it didn't mean a lot to them. But, man, Q, that felt like a Super Bowl, didn't it? I tell you what, like it was so weird when I'm I'm listening to the broadcast and, you know, Troy Aikman is like, wow, this is the greatest preseason game that I've ever been a part of. And it was, I guess, his first and only one. But with that said, yeah, usually preseason games are boring. And uh, they're, they're from, from a – once the starters go out, everything is kind of downhill. Well, you didn't really have any starters for the Ravens. The Ravens did what they Ravens did and have done – since John Harbaugh in 2015, which is, yeah, we're going to play our starters, get them out. Then we're going to have some backups, and we're going to have guys that are going to be good enough to play and let them compete into the final quarter, and, and let's see how it is. I thought the way Washington played at their joint practices, the chippiness of the Ravens, the Ravens got the better of them. You go into the final preseason, uh, or not final preseason, but the, the preseason game, and I think the commanders were like, yo, they pumped us. We got to get them back. And, oh, by the way, we're about to take that streak from them too. So it kind of took a life of its own because of what happened with the back and forth smack talk and obviously – fights that took place uh, or skirmishes, however you want to word it, um, at, you know, the castle. So, again, like, it was good football. It was awesome football. But it's a preseason game. And last I checked, like, even the new owner, he was getting caught up in it. And I'm like, bro, like, yeah, okay, watch what happens when your team is, you know, uh, five and eleven, and now all of a sudden the fan base ain't so happy, and you sitting there like, Haha, I gotta renew my sweets for you know my 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 field so I can get that you know that extra money. Like everything takes on a whole different level during the regular season. So enjoy it. It was great. It was cool. Um, what the Ravens did were was remarkable because there were so many different you know guys that you don't even know. Um, because of the fact that, you know, they're, they're not on the normal regular day roster. So kudos to the legacy of the game. Sort of kind of kudos to the commanders, I guess, for winning. And then I guess, you know, when you look at it for the Ravens perspective, all right, here comes Tampa. Let's start another streak.
Now, you know, you know what's a fact too is that Greg Roman never lost a preseason game as a coach. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I am kidding, everyone, oh. please. But you know, there were so many guys who were a part of that streak. And I mean, look, the Ravens got from a winning losing perspective, it does not mean anything. Just because the Ravens are one and one in the preseason does not mean that it's gonna that that loss is gonna come with them to the regular season. The win loss aspect means nothing. I think the Ravens gained as much as they could from losing as they would have with winning. It's the same different type of thing. But one really interesting thing that I noticed, Q, was that final defensive possession for the Ravens. It was all-out blitz after all-out blitz. It seemed like Don Martindale snuck into the stadium and uh, took the took over play calling from Mike McDonald. I, my hot take is that I don't think Baltimore was playing to win. I think they were experimenting. I, I will not go as far as to say they were playing to lose. I don't think they were doing that. But I think they were experimenting with their guys and saying, well, can we do this or that in a certain situation schematically? And yes, it's not that you don't have Roquan and Patrick Queen and Marlon and all those guys out there. But I think they were experimenting instead of running a full two-minute defense because in a regular season game queue, in a two-minute drill where you know, you're playing for the game, you're not all out blitzing every single play, are you? No. And even you know, to Wink Martindale reference – I remember they played against, uh, you know, Cleveland and it was Baker Mayfield and Baker was, you know, having his way and, you know, they needed to, to make a play and uh, they played, you know, a zone scheme where they blitz guys and drop guys out and confused him a little bit. But then finally did like an all out blitz. And um, I think it was uh, CJ Mosey dropped back and, you know, got into the passing lane. Uh, this ain't that. This is like, hey, who do I got? If I do play man to man, let's see what's going on. Uh, again, I'm not trying to have extra plays. I ain't trying to make this a long game. Let's just get it over with. If you guys are good and you're going to do it good, good. But if you're not, then we got you and the streak continues. You know, it's just an evaluation. It's evaluation of what you think you can do. Yep, I'm with you on that. And I know when the Ravens had to Tampa to play the Buccaneers on Saturday, it's going to be more the evaluation. But I, I always, I think the, the coaches, the players, they hold a special place. At least the guys who were fighting for roster spots, they hold the last preseason game with a special place in their heart. I always go back to you. When was it 2015? Maybe 20. Michael Pierce. Michael Pierce essentially made the Ravens roster in the final preseason game. It was against New Orleans. They went to New Orleans. And Michael Pierce had a dominant game. He made the roster as an undrafted guy and obviously yeah. went on to have a successful keys back in Baltimore. But that's just an example of, you know, it's not over till it's over. These guys still have an opportunity to make a name for themselves. Maybe they haven't had the strongest preseason, the strongest camp. It can be one play, one opportunity that can really turn something around. So I'm excited to see that. I'm excited to see the quarterback battle, how it goes between Josh Johnson and Anthony Brown. Seems like they're jockeying for a quarterback three spot. I think Josh Johnson's ahead right now. I'm also excited to see some of these younger guys like a Jimmy Lucian, who's had some corner safety versatility. Is he a practice squad player? Is he going to push his way onto the roster? There are these, the inside linebackers, Delshawn Phillips and, and Kristen Welch. And some of the younger rookies too, like Trenton Simpson didn't have a great game against the commanders, but now's an opportunity for him to come back, which I think is really well, nice. for these May I even jump in on that for him? Like, and maybe I'm seeing it wrong, but I haven't really felt like he showed himself like, wow, uh, this this training camp, period. Like, am I missing that or something? Like, I, I'm like watching and I'm like, I don't know. 
I'm, I'm, I'm like thinking, okay, you went from sheesh to nothing, you know, like, I don't know. Well, he had, he, so he missed some time with, I forget what the injury was, but I know he missed it in the commanders game was his first preseason action. But my thing with Trenton Simpson is, is that it actually relates to what happened yesterday is the Cardinals just traded Isaiah Simmons, who was super, what was he like eighth overall, he was a pick for them a couple of years ago. And he came into the league as a, almost like a Trenton Simpson out of Clemson, super, a super versatile player that could play everywhere. He could play him at safety. You could play him in the slot. You could play him on the D line inside linebacker. And the Cardinals moved him around so much. And Zayvon Collins for them is the same way. They moved them around so much where I don't think they ever really got to yeah. get comfortable. And it kind of made it so that they were working every single year at a different position, trying to learn new things. And I think that actually stunted their development. So for me, I don't want to see the Ravens do that with Trent Simpson because he's the same guy. We saw him play in the slot. We saw him play as an inside linebacker. I'm not expecting Trent Simpson to play a massive role for them this year, especially after the Clowney edition. I know there were some conversations about him maybe playing some some rush linebacker and or maybe some Sam. But for me, I just – because it's the same thing almost like Brandon Stevens. I know we've talked about this cue where the Ravens have – Put him at corner, put him at safety, put him at corner, put him at safety. And the whole thing is I just don't like he's he's he hasn't had the opportunity to be comfortable. So with Simpson, the athleticism is there, but coming out of college, I never thought he was a ready day one guy. Sim Simmons was more of that because he was a high draft pick. He was one of the most versatile players in all of college football. But I just don't want to see the Ravens make that. I mean, I could call it a mistake. I don't want to see the Ravens make that mistake with Trent Simpson and, and kind of stunt. I think it's fine for him to be behind Roquan and Patrick Queen for a year. We'll see what happens to Patrick Queen. And then after a year of learning, maybe he can step in because they had the exact same thing happen to him with the Patrick Owasso, Kenny Young thing. They trusted two young linebackers. It did not work. They had to bring in LJ Fortin, Josh Bynes. They essentially thrust guys into roles they weren't ready for, and it didn't work for them. So I hope that the Ravens don't do that with Trent Simpson. That's that's just my thought on the whole thing. Yeah, no, it all makes sense. And I, I think part of, you know, the growth process is learning, you know, being out there, not getting injured, uh, but learning under, you know, the, the intensity of, of the fire. And I guess I just, you know, maybe I'm getting caught up in a prisoner of the moment. We're going to talk about this next offseason when all the pundits be all up in the draft. Oh, my God, this guy and all that. And this is going to happen. And man, I'm going to just be like, all right, Trent Simpson. Well, I'm I'm you're, yeah. You and I know exactly what I'm talking about. Like, yeah, Q, you know, they got to develop. And that's where, like, for me – I guess I just thought, like, ooh, wow, you know, everybody's hyping them. And then I'm, like, watching them and practicing and stuff. I'm like, all right, you know, like, yeah. And, yeah, like the touchdown, the commander's uh, running back, like, my God, Trent says I had him dead to rights. Like, if you're supposed to be all that, you tackling that dude. He ain't backing up into the end zone and making it spectacular. You helped a commander's running back make the roster. Bruh, like you, he should be calling you up and be like, yo, man, good looking out. I'm missing that tackle. I feel really good about myself. The whole thing with, and look, I hear what you're saying. I was going to say, I hear what you're saying. For me, I think that in terms of rookie production for this Ravens draft class, 
I think Zay Flowers is going to make up almost all of it. I, I think a lot of the players that the Ravens drafted outside of Zay Flowers are developmental pieces like a Trenton Simpson, like a Caillou Kelly, Tavius Robinson, Voorhees obviously isn't going to play this year. And then Sal is a guy too. They're, they're mostly developmental guys. Maybe there's a play made here or there, but I think Zay is going to take all the, the rookie production. He's going to take it for himself. He's not going to let anybody else have it. He's going to, he's going to be this crazy place. Saw Zay again, he's done everything and more. I don't, think we should see him in the final preseason game we'll, we'll see what they do against tampa but uh, hopefully we don't see lamar i know john harbaugh said lamar wants to play and if if, if that was me i'd say you know lamar which is we're not, we're not gonna do that we're, we're gonna we're gonna rest because they've seen it happen with jk so I'm, I'm not putting that out there but q i appreciate you hopping on that's all i have for you here today when we get back next week we're gonna be talking roster cuts we'll, we'll know who the ravens fit final 53 man is we'll try to get an idea of their practice squad but it's, it's, again, milestones. Preseason is over after Saturday, and then we're one step closer to the regular season. One step closer, and I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be great. I think that's what, you know, this all culminates into is let's get it on regular season. Yeah, it's exciting. So we will be back next week here on Locked on Ravens Q. I appreciate you again, and I appreciate everybody listening and watching for tuning in today on Locked on Ravens. We'll be back here on Monday with more Ravens content. So be sure to stay tuned for that. I'll see you right back here on Monday on Locked on Ravens.